Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning, church. How you guys feeling? All right. This is the second service. So I'm going to be big. You come in big. We're going to we're going to have some fun, uh, but we're also going to to to, to really um, to, to share the heart of God this morning. That's my heart to, to, to share my story. I, I want to first, could you just, uh, I want to take a moment just to thank uh, uh, Pastor uh, Dave for just um, his heart. I, I, we met a, a couple of months ago. I was able to share my story. Um, and I really sense it's sharing my story, just his heart for people, his embrace of me and my story, uh, his sense, of just love for the Bible, God's word, uh, and his love for this church. As he talked and shared his heart, he loves you guys. You guys have a wonderful pastor. Can we thank Pastor Dave for his service? At, at the same time, at the same time, I, I want to thank you guys for your faithful service to the city of Santa Ana and to Orange County. 85 years. I'm, I'm like a year old church planner. You guys, 85 years old. I'm an infant in Christ right now standing before you. Uh, but you guys, 85 years of a faithful witness to God's word, to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hats off to you guys and the many people I think about. I sit, stand in this room and I think about the countless of families, men and women and children that have given to this church to, to have this beautiful f- facility and to be that authentic witness what prayers they must have had, what, what commitment they must have had to God's Word. It's an honor, an honor, and a privilege to be with you guys. Um, I think uh, Pastor Dave gave me a wonderful introduction. Uh, my heart this morning is to really look at the Scriptures and share the heart of reconciliation. I'm going to do that by uh, hoping to, to share my story and weave my story in through the gospel message that you may, one, get to know me a little bit more, but also maybe see a glimpse uh, of the heart of God. That's, that's my focus this morning. My focus is reconciliation. As, uh, as uh, Dave shared, my wife Nancy is, uh, is preaching at our church. Um, we started, my wife and I and a core team, we started a church called Emmaus Church, um, an intentionally multicultural, multi-generational church that really wants to be the hands and feet of Jesus in Santa Ana and beyond. And so um, my wife is there preaching the house down in this nightclub called the Yost Theater um, and having a good time with this eclectic bunch of people of, of many different ethnicities, many different um, ages, but with the same heart to really be the hands and feet of Jesus. I'll show you a picture of my family really quick as by way of introduction. This is my, uh, this is my family. I'm married up, can't you tell? Look at me, scruffed up. I'm a winner right now. I stand before you a winner. That's my wife, Nancy. Um, uh, that's my wife, Nancy. In her arms is Elsie. She's four years old. Um, in the middle is Jackson right there. I don't know what the ear thing got going on, but that's something. And then we have Sayla. Uh, Jackson is two years old and Sayla is, is seven years old. Um, my wife homeschools. Uh, she just, she, she, Man, she's an amazing woman. Not only does she uh, really uh, love me well, support me, uh, but she loves our family well. And she, she's a true prayer warrior that loves Jesus. And I'm just honored uh, that uh, she has an opportunity to share God's word at our church today. Um, thank you, guys. Thank you for just introducing, allowing me to introduce my family. I want to pray for us really quick before I jump in. I really, I want to jump in to God's Word. I want to share my heart. But before I do that, I just, I just feel, just want to pray for a moment. So uh, if you'd bow your heads for a quick second. Father, we thank you. We, we thank you, Lord, for your Word. We thank you for your presence. 
Lord, you said that your word would not return unto you void, Father. And you said where two or three are gathered together, that you are in the midst of us. So, Father, I just thank you for that. And I'm reminded of Jesus' prayer for all believers. Jesus' prayer said, make them completely one. Just as the Father and the Son are one, that believers would be one and bringing them to complete unity. So I just, I sense that this morning, Lord, that you want to make us one. The local church, the body of Christ, that you want to make us one for this specific time, this specific season in church history, Lord, you've called us to something greater. I pray that we would catch that this morning. I pray that, Lord, your spirit would do what only you could, it could do and, and speak to the hearts of people. Father, we just love you, we thank you, and we honor you. In Jesus' mighty name, we all said together, amen, amen. Thank you for allowing me to do that. Let me put, let me put my beautiful family back on the screen, screen one time. You, can you tell I'm proud of this family? Um, I mean, this is, amen, thank you, thank you. I want to put them on the screen. Just, just I, I'm, I am a blessed man from where I came from, from the humble beginnings and background that I came from, what God has brought me through, to have a wife, um, a godly woman that is, will, will go anywhere, wherever God tells us to go, that she's willing to go, it means the world to me. To have uh, beautiful women, three, three girls, God would uh, call me to steward this wonderful family, like it means everything. And that little guy in the middle, if you're a father here, you know, the third child, I mean, a son, how lucky could I be? And I know you guys, we, I know how you, we have to be. Like I had two daughters and I, man, I love my daughters. But that third child, I just gave, it's going to be a girl. I was just like, hey, it's a girl. Listen, I'm cool with it, Lord. Work on my heart. I wanted a boy, but I'm going to be okay. And, you know, you know how it is. And then God gave me a boy. And I'm like, oh, my Lord, this is so awesome. Lord, I'll do anything for you, right? And, you know, you're probably thinking, oh, why, why the dads want the boy? And, of course, it's the soccer. We want to play, whether it's soccer, whether it's football. No, no football. Concussions are crazy. But baseball is awesome. Love baseball. Uh, football, no, but love baseball. We love all those things. But, but honestly, if I were to be honest, my reasoning for having a boy is probably not the same as, as many of you guys. My, my, my reason for having a boy, I, as I prayed and I thought about, Lord, why would you give me this precious gift? Like you've given me two precious daughters. And I, I want to honor them and serve them and, and love them to be the women that God has called them to be. But this son, what is it about this gift? And I realized that God gave me this beautiful baby boy named Jackson to be the father to a young man that I never had. To know my story is to know that I was abandoned as a child, that my father uh, left my mother um, because he had a problem. He had a sin problem. All of us, anybody ever had a sin problem in here? Anybody? Yeah, okay, let's be honest now. We all have sin problems, right? He had a sin problem. I like to say sin is, is a brokenness. There was brokenness in his life. There was brokenness, and his brokenness blinded him from the beautiful gift that God gave him, which was this gold teeth, shiny, big beard guy, right? I came out the womb like this, mind you. But anyways, <laughs> he, missed the, he missed the gift. His brokenness, his sin blinded him. What was his sin? His, his sin was drug addiction, alcohol, alcoholism. 
My father was addicted to crack cocaine and was in and out of jail and, and struggled with alcohol most of his life, so much so that he was just in and out. He was a known regular at the Nashville Rescue Mission. I was born and raised in Nashville, Tennessee. That's the country twang you hear right there. I, I was born and raised there. My father, having that, that brokenness, that issue, that sin issue that blinded him, it kept him out of my life for over 20, 20 years, probably around 22, 23 years. In 22, 23 years, I probably saw my father maybe five times I can count on one hand. There's a whole other story. Maybe I could share that. But, but, but there was a deep brokenness in me as well, not having a father, being raised without a father. It wasn't until I found Christ that actually that void was healed. But, but to, to be honest, I struggled growing up not having a father. I was exposed to things. I didn't have a, I didn't feel covered when I was in the neighborhood. And I grew up in Section 8 housing for 18 years and, and guys would pick on me. And I was, you know, a little fair skinned and had this little straight hair and guys thought I was soft. So I had to fight my way all the time. I began to struggle with drugs and alcohol and really creating the same systemic problems that my father faced and engaging in those things. When I look back, I begin to see God's hand of grace and reconciling and redeeming all things in my life. Redeeming all things. Hey, my father, I would tell you this, would love to sh- share that my father now is a homeowner, is married, and, and he's an executive in the Nashville Rescue Mission, like the poster child, and, and really a poster child of, of God's recon- reconciling man into himself. My father and I have an awesome relationship. He's a deacon in a church. He loves Jesus, and, and we support one another in, in the, what God has called us to. I saw the hand of reconciliation. I saw the, the power of sin broken in my life. And as I look over those times, though, those, those teenage years, those kind of, you know, young formative years, they shaped me in deep ways. And I, I used to think, Lord, I know it was your grace that helped me out of that, but, but there was more to it. See, I had a, a, a grandfather that, that loved me. My grandfather was my father. Anybody have good grandparents, like awesome grandparents? Awesome. Some of you guys are awesome grandparents. Give yourselves a hand. Like, but I had a grandfather. I had a grandfather that, that loved me unconditionally. He loved me. He, 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 I mean, I think about it. I look back. My grandfather never missed a game. Just like you fathers, my grandfather never missed a game. He was there in his little fold-up lawn chair every, every Saturday, whatever it was. Sometimes 9, 10 o'clock at night. Like, you know how baseball games are long. Like, he was there. He would ride home and ask me how it was, how I was feeling. And, and you know, it was... Man, my grandfather, the power of his presence, when I look back, was everything to me. I look back and I see my grandfather was Dave Ramsey. He probably wrote Dave Ramsey's curriculum. I mean, he like, my grandfather had an envelope and on the back of that envelope, he'd do his little accounting, have his little ledger. He'd write it all down. And then at the end of counting, he would count out every week 10 ones for me. That was big. I mean, my mother raised four boys on her own in Section 8 housing. She struggled, has always struggled financially. My grandfather used to be that provider for me. He supported me. 
I remember one time, maybe the greatest gift my grandfather gave me was, was this one time I really wanted to make the basketball team. I grew up playing baseball, but really found an interest in basketball. And so I started practicing every summer to make the eighth grade team. And, and I practiced all summer and I was pretty good, not to be prideful before you guys, but I was all right, you know. I thought I had this. I've scouted my, my, my competition. Like, I can make this team. And, and I go out for the team, and a couple of weeks in, the coach, I noticed he was watching me, and, but he, he also watched the type of people I was hanging out with. And in the final cut, I, I, my name wasn't on the list. I didn't make the team. I was devastated, devastated. This is one of those moments where you need your dad. You need somebody to say, son, here, this is, here's the facts of life. Here's, I didn't have that. I remember my grandfather, though. My grandfather stepped in and was that for me, and he spoke up for me. He went to that coach, and he found out, hey, why did my grandson, why did he make the team? And the, and the guy was like, you know, well, you know, he's all right, but I don't know. He's running around troublemakers, and we just can't have that on our team. My grandfather, he said something to this day. I don't know what my grandfather was, but I got a second chance. I made that team. I, I, did, I scored well. Like, my grandfather represented the Heavenly Father to me without even being a Christian. My grandfather, he spoke up for me. He supported me. He encouraged me. Now, you're, stand, you're probably sitting here and you're thinking, that's what grandparents do, duh. But my grandfather had a brokenness. I want to show a picture of my grandfather. My grandfather, that's, that's my grandfather, Frank. Frank... Frank had a brokenness. I called him Papa. I'm from the South now. Don't laugh at me. That's Papa. I know you're probably looking like, oh, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. What? <laughs> you know, wipe your glasses off for a moment. My, my grandfather, his brokenness was, he was prejudiced. He grew up in a time where where, where blacks, whites, Hispanics, what have you, ethnicities didn't engage. He grew up in a time of segregation. He, he, he used the N-word. When my mother dated, or bi, when I'm biracial, when my, dated, when my mother dated uh, across cultural lines, when she started dating black men, my grandfather, he was upset. It wasn't until I came into the picture that he began, something began to change inside of him. That he began to, to see life differently. He began to, to see this, this little boy with infinite potential and, and value. And, 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 and we begin, he began, I mean, you saw me. If you saw my grandfather, you saw me. He worked at a car wash. We would, we would ride to the car wash in his little blue pickup truck. But my grandfather had a prejudice. And he overcame his prejudice by, by, by relationship. My grandfather, I used to cry to my grandfather because I was getting picked on in the neighborhood because I wasn't black enough. I was getting picked on uh, in, in, in school or say because I was black. There was identity issues. The truth is, is that we live in a racialized society. And I had to grow up trying to be whatever it means to be biracial, not to fit in a category. It wasn't a category. There's no category. In the South, there is a category, though. Think of how racialized we are in our country. My mother is white. 
my aunts are white, my grandparents are white, and my, I know, all I really know is this family, yet I'm black because I have a different skin tone. I, I, no way I could, hey, I'm Lamont Hartman, I'm white. No, nobody's going for that, right? <laughs> but I think that it's funny, I laugh at too, but think, as we begin to think, what does that mean? How do we place value? Who comes up with the values? Who comes up with, oh, no, you got to be this, you have to be that? We live in a very bicultural world these days. And our old categories, I'm not sure if they are working for us or will work for us. They've never really worked, if I, if I were to be honest with you. They've never really worked for us. See, my grandfather, him standing up for me, speaking up for me, I'm sorry, in that moment was the greatest gift that he could ever give to me. Now, being fully redeemed and reconciled to Christ, now I'm, he looks down and I'm, I'm leading in churches. I'm leading, I'm lead a church. I've served in predominantly white churches all my life and have lived in this tension of, man, not fully being this, not fully being that, but knowing there's beauty in God's church. And just of recent, I really begin to start digging in and, and hearing God's voice and my unique call to be a bridge builder. And I don't think it's just my call to be a, a reconciler, a bridge builder. I begin to see through the scriptures that it's our call. See, the truth is, what Martin Luther King said is very true, that, that Sunday mornings is the most segregated hour in America, that our churches are segregated still. And we don't, our jobs don't look like that. Our school systems don't look segregated. But in our churches, it's there. It's not by anyone. I don't think it's maliciously. I just think we tend to, to gravitate towards people that are like us, that do the things that we do. If I were to be honest, we, we tend to gravitate towards those things. But this is a season in our culture that we have to be intentional, that God is calling us to something else, something more, some intentionality, some, rela- some uh, cross-cultural relationship building. Martin Luther King said the most segregated hour is Sunday morning. And it's beginning, to, it's beginning to show as we look at places like Baton Rouge and Ferguson and, and, and Charlotte and Tulsa, we're beginning to see things of racial tensions and divides that, that if I were to be honest, have always kind of been under the surface. So we're talking about a sensitive issue this morning in church. There's no better place than to talk about these things than in the church. I'm going to show you in Scripture for a minute why that is. No better place than we should be as people that know Jesus and have been reconciled back to God. There's no better place than to talk about unity and race. See, I can imagine with everything happening around in our society that you as a church, I know your history of outreach and, and love and care for people and love and care, even particularly global, not just global, but also local. I know you're probably asking yourselves, what is the church's role? What's the church's role in this racial divide and this racial tension? What is our role? And if you're not asking that question, I, I need you to be thinking, why am I not, why am I not asking that question? What blinders do I have? that keep me from engaging this topic, that keep me from stepping out in compassion and hearing people's pain. 
I'd ask you to ask that question because it's unfortunate that not asking that question repeats the history of church history that we've seen throughout church history. It repeats itself. The silence of the church, the, 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 um, the apprehension of, uh, of just not engaging things about race. I was changed by a book called Divided by Faith by Michael Emerson. He is a sociologist, but a Christian. And he begins to look at the evangelical faith and, and he has statistics for us that kind of help us understand sin. Because what I shared with you is a story of brokenness and even in myself is a story of sin. And he helps us understand that the church, that not only should we be concerned about, about just individual sin, and that's why we have churches to bring people to Christ, but we also need to be concerned about a, a corporate sin. The, the silence of when we see brokenness in our world, the silence, the apprehension, not really knowing how to engage or when to engage. He begins to uh, share that with us. He goes back to church history and, and looks at our evangelical faith, which I'm proud to be a part of. And he looks and says from the very inception with the, the, the father of evangelicalism in America, George Whitfield, and, and shows the apprehension to get involved with things like race. George Whitfield is actually one that kind of moved us towards evangelizing, converting slaves over to Christianity. But couldn't be, couldn't, you know, couldn't, we couldn't be in the same church. You can go to heaven, but you can't be in the same church. That should, that type of mentality, I'm not sure, again, that it's malicious in our churches today, but it's certainly, we can see it when we look around, that we're not, we're not engaging. We're not together. This is history. And if we don't know history, we're, we're bound to repeat it over and over again. See, ethnic divides have been around not only in church history, but even in biblical times. If you look at Scripture, Ephesians 2, chapter thir- I mean, verses 13 and 14, Paul begins to share with us a little bit about these divides. And, and he, Paul, the apostle Paul, was uniquely called to be a bridge builder was uniquely called to speak about issues in the church that he, churches that he was, he was starting, he began to, to really uh, help us understand how we are to come together, be reconciled with one another. See, reconciliation is not just between you and God, although that's first and foremost, but reconciliation, after with being reconciled with God, we're to be reconciled with our fellow man. Reconciliation is not just vertical, but it's also horizontal. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14 says this, But now in Christ Jesus, you you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Paul is saying here, he's talking and referring to reconciliation and the, recon, uh, the reconciliation of particularly Jews and Gentiles. See, the Ephesian church before accepting Christ, they were alienated from God. They were in sin. There was brokenness. There was no real relationship. But now, because of Christ, they've been reconciled. They've been welcomed to the family of God. And Paul is calling the church at Ephesus to walk together, to be together. See, the truth is that this dividing wall of hostility, or this kind of undercurrent of tension, if you will, was actually a real dividing wall. It was a real dividing wall that Gentiles were not allowed to enter into worship with Jews. 
And this radical guy named Paul comes along and says, the dividing wall has been, has been done away with. The dividing wall has been done away with. How much more now, if those religious barriers were broken then, if Paul broke them then, how much more should we remove the racial barriers that keep us from, from being the church, the full church, the whole body of Christ, even across racial barriers? How much more? Paul teaches, he taught us, he showed us the way. The dividing wall of hostility, it's been broken. See, this idea of reconciliation, we should get it more than anyone. Many of us in this room this morning, we've given our life to Christ. We've been reconciled back to God. This idea of reconciliation or reconciled comes from a, a Greek family of words called alasso. Alasso. And it really means to exchange or to change. To exchange or to change. Reconciliation happens, a change happens between your relationship with God when you've been reconciled. And so we've been reconciled. Something has changed. A relationship changes our heart, begins to transform our mind. We know Romans 12 and 1, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. A great word for the church this, this, in this hour. Renew our minds. Be not conformed to the world. Talk differently than the world. Be differently than the world. Be different. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Reconciliation involves a change in a relationship with God. Re- reconciliation only happens with Christ. It only happens with the cross. No cross, no reconciliation. No blood, no redemption. You and I, we know the grace, the peace, the love, the joy that we've experienced through reconciliation. And likewise, we're the best ones to carry this message of reconciliation to the world. We know the peace and the unity. We know it. We know it. I love this in Corinthians, the second Corinthians 5 and 23 or 5 and 18 says that God reconciled us to himself through Christ. And he goes on in verse 23 to say, you have now been given the ministry of reconciliation. You and I, because you've been reconciled with God, now you've been given the ministry of reconciliation. I would, I would pose you with this this morning. I propose this this morning, that The same ministry, the same global ministry, the same great commandment to go into all the world, the great commission, that same commission, the same weight should also be placed on reconciliation. He said, I've been giving you this ministry. Who takes a ministry and puts it away? Like, I don't want that ministry, Lord. Give me prayer. Give me the greeter. I'll take greeter. No, we don't get to do that. We don't get to pick and choose the ministries that we serve in. The scriptures tell us, and I believe it's the same way that he's given you the ministry of reconciliation. It's the same idea, same question we see in the, uh, in the New Testament. Who lights a light? Who reconciles hearts, but then hides that light under a bed, hides it under a bushel, puts a lamp over it, puts a shade over it? No, you put that light on a hill for all to see. That's the ministry of reconciliation. 
The hour, this is the hour that God is calling to the church to be the light. I know that um, uh, Kinnaman came in and he wrote the great book of Unchristian. And we know the record numbers of young people that, that have uh, leaving the faith. Why are they leaving the faith? Because they're looking for something authentic. They're looking for something real, something different. I'm posing you with my story with, with, with my grandfather this morning because that was different. People were like, how did he change? How did he hate people of color? How was he able to overcome that and love you, Lamont? It's power. It's the power of God. It's the renewing of your mind and of your heart. This idea of reconciliation, there's a fruit of it. The fruit of reconciliation, Paul gives us in Galatians chapter uh, 3, verse 28. Galatians 3, verse 28, before, it says this, Before the coming of the faith, we, have, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed, so that the law was our guardian until Christ came, that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor there is male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. To understand the context of this letter, Paul writes to the churches he planted in Galatia. If you think about it, it's modern-day Turkey if you look it up. And it's really divided into north and south. In the north, you have this group of people um, that, were, uh, that were Celts. They were from a Germanic people group. And uh, they actually were known in that time as barbarians. You get the word barbarian, you get that word because the, Greek, the Greeks would call them, basically they refer to them as blah, blah, blah. They would say blah, blah, blah. Like, Greeks, actually, if you know a little bit about Greek, speech was this way of, uh, to under, was equivalent to reason. If you could speak Greek, then you actually had intellect and they saw you as smart. These people, these Germanic people, the Celts, they, they referred to them as blah, blah, blah because they could not speak Greek. So the Greeks looked down upon them and what do you think they called them or thought they were? They were stupid. And so the church in the south, southern territory, wanted no association with the blah, blah, blah people. No association. So Paul, again, ethnic divide, Paul comes in and says something powerful for us. He says that we are all one in Christ. This unity, this reconciliation that you've experienced, you've now been clothed with Christ's righteousness. See, as a young Roman, someone hearing this would understand a young Roman boy would be given a toga after coming of age to symbolize that he had the rights and privileges of a Roman citizen. This idea of clothing yourself, you've been made right with Christ, now you've been clothed with Christ's righteousness, and so now you have the rights and privileges as a son and daughter in Christ. You are fully grown fully prepared to live out the ministries that God has called you to. Paul said, we are one in Christ. You're fully accepted. The Galatian believers, Paul was telling the Galatian believers that you have to put off the old garments of the law and put on the new garment of Christ. This idea that we're one in Christ. Paul is telling the Galatians, 
that racial distinctions are no more. The distinctions between us, now that we're in the body of Christ, they don't exist anymore. Do away with them. We are all now one in Christ. Fully accept one another for the beauty of who you are, who your brothers and sisters in Christ are. This is what Paul is encouraging the church in. He's saying this, that no one is spiritually superior over another. A believing Jew does not have more privileges than a Gentile. A believing slave does not outrank a believing free person. A believing man is not superior to a believing woman, although Paul made it clear that man had headship over woman and there was a distinction to spiritual service that was there. But there's no male or female. Paul reminds us that whatever human categories we describe do not define us. Race does not define us. Race, I will say this this morning, race is more of a social uh, construct than anything. There's people, biracial like myself, we don't fit into the construct. Race is something that we created as man to begin to give value statements and, and, and begin to hierarchy, just like animals. And Paul addressed it early in the church that's, that's nothing in the kingdom of God. We're all one in Christ. We're one in his body. We're one. The things that are used to describe you in this world, they don't define you in the kingdom of heaven. Some of us were asking ourselves, what is the church's responsibility? What do we do? How do we, how do we, how do I, how, what do I, how do I begin to lean into this idea that we've won in Christ? And oh my goodness, what do I do with this idea that I've been given the ministry of reconciliation? What do I do with all of this? I propose to you this morning that if you take the idea of racial reconciliation seriously, that you would begin to, to build relationships There's no reconciliation without real deep relationships in the body of Christ, outside the body of Christ, that you would begin to lean in to relationships with other people. The dinners that you guys do, that you would seek out, intentionally seek out ways that that you would go and, 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 and sit in someone's home and begin to hear their story because we all have beautiful stories. That, that, that reveal God's glory and the fullness of who God is. If we want an application this morning, there's three things I can give you. One is encouragement. It's so, encouragement, so encouraging to step in and to create space for people's stories. That's the heart in, of Emmaus Church, the, the church that I am honored to lead, that we are, will give room for people's stories, no matter how jacked up they are no matter how broken, because we realize that we're all broken people in need of a Savior. We all have, uh, need the Savior and, and are on this trajectory of always being renewed in Christ, creating space for people's stories. Creating space means that you don't begin to, to when people share their story, you put them in a category. I wanted to share my grandfather's story because I know, and it's not by default, I wanted to help us see that we have racial lens. You just thought I was black, and I'm black by the world standard, but you're my brother in Christ. But I showed that picture of my grandfather because we don't know each other's unique stories. It doesn't matter. And this is, it doesn't matter. 
Yeah, I'll be honest. Can I, can I be honest? You guys, I'm second service. I'm like family now. We're family. You can't get rid of me. I'm going to be honest. Amen. That we all, we all have prejudices. I have prejudices. I had to catch myself. When I grew up, you know what I thought? And I, I excluded my family. But I, I really did. I thought that, man, all white people are just rich. It's not the case. I'm going to go even further. I thought if you were Catholic, you're really rich. Like, I want to be Catholic. I mean, come on. Bring it. I'm being honest. I really thought that. That's a lie. That's, that's people, we've all, we work hard. We, we, we work hard for a living. We pass on things. Like, that's what we do in America. I, but we have racial lenses that, that the Scriptures say we need to get rid of. We need to get rid of. I have to create space in my, in my church for, for young immigrants that come in that are, are not documented. And I've never heard of these stories before, but I see God in them. I see a, a passion for Jesus. And, and Lord, what do you want to do in me? I don't know it all, but I'm willing to create space. One, encouraging people by listening to their stories. The second thing you can do is begin to build cross-cultural relationships Look across the like begin to intentionally build relationships. And you're not going to connect with everyone, but if you really desire, Lord, send me a friend from a different ethnic background. Help me. God will do it. God will begin to, to do it, and he'll use it to shape you. He'll, he'll be used it to, to shape your heart, which will affect the way you talk about things, which affect the way that you act on things. God will begin this reconciliation work inside of you that he can use you to be a demonstration of his glory. The last thing you can do is speak up. When you've had a heart change, when you've seen the power of reconciliation, the greatest thing that my grandfather did in that basketball story, he spoke up for me. He spoke up. I never had anyone speak up. I never had that covering. I believe this morning, I truly believe that God brought me here to, as, to learn from you, but also to be an encouragement that now is the time to, to create a sense of urgency that now is the time in our society for the church to be the church. God didn't call you to a political party. He's called you to be the church, to be a prophetic voice to the world, to be a reconciling voice of love, of compassion, I don't know if that hits you this morning, but if it does, I want to quickly, I want to pray for you. I, mean, if you, I don't want to, something radical, no. I just, if you feel like, man, I want, I desire to be a voice. I don't know where to start, but if you think that's you, just slip up your hand. I want to pray for you for a second. I believe, thank you, right? All those who are raising your hand, just slip them up. I want to acknowledge, God's called you to be a voice. You don't have to know nothing, the beautiful thing. You don't have to know anything. You just have to be willing to engage. And you have, to, you have to own your own stuff. I own my junk. I own my prejudices. I, I, I have to own them. I still, they're there. I can't do it. I, I don't even, where they come from, Lord? I'm, I'm a little bit of everything. Like, why, why am I broken? But I promise you, if you begin to lean in, if you desire, the Scriptures say if you delight yourselves in the Lord, He'll give you the desires of your heart. Lord, I pray, Lord, that the desires that are in this room to be a bridge in this fine hour. Lord, I pray that you would begin the work, the deep work of reconciliation. 
I thank you, Lord, for identities in this church, to, to identities in Christ to begin to, to well up, Father God. That we would fully see ourselves as, 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 baby, as baby Christians, as Christ-like people. Lord, we would own that identity, and that identity would supersede every other distinction that is used to describe us, Lord, that our identity in you would be first and foremost. Lord, I pray for voices that would speak up and, and challenge the status quo. I pray for those voices that you would raise up to do that gently and lovingly and, and, and profoundly, Lord, that we would see a powerful move of God, the revival that we've all been yearning for. We would see it in the local church. Lord, we thank you. We pray you would start with Emmaus Church. Lord, that you would start with Calvary Church, Father God, right here in Santa Ana. Let our beautiful, diverse city be one, be a model for what the church should be. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Lamont. We're so... We're blessed to be able to serve with you Amen. in Santa Ana to reach lots of folks. And Amen. Some of the things just really resonate with me as I've heard it, uh, you say how the way we are, the world may describe us a certain way, mm. but it shouldn't define us that way. Christ mm. defines us. And I appreciate that value of how your heart is so close to the Lord and you yeah. have uh, overcome things that you could be just another statistic out there, have lost your way. Yep. And it's just so wonderful and hopeful for us that he can work in your life and bring you to this place to share with us God's Word and Amen. to see how that definition of Christ is in you. I mm. um, wanted to bring up a question that sometimes comes, and I've heard it in other settings on this same topic. We want to lean in. Many of us, I think, have good hearts. We want to do those things. And yet sometimes the, the racist term gets thrown around pretty quickly because we say something the wrong way, mm-hmm. we use a term or a nuance, or uh, we, we sort of stumble over ourselves in trying to, to reach out and say something awkwardly, mm-hmm. and it becomes a little off-putting. How would you help somebody? I'm, I'm a white guy, mm-hmm. and so... Uh, no, no, be red for a moment, yeah, be red. Okay. All right. Let's pretend so, he's red for a all moment. Right. <laughs> all right, you're going to make my face turn red here in a moment. So. Um, but... Um, we want, to, we want to make a difference. Mm. We want to build those bridges. Amen. What would you say to somebody who said, you know, I'm a little fearful because I may not say it the right way and it comes out the wrong way? Amen. Amen. Um, I, I want to say this a little bit differently from last week. I, I, I want to I say that it, it, this, this conversation is, is messy. To engage in reconciliation, it's messy. It's just as messy as when you came to Christ and you remember all the dumb stuff you used to do and God's grace was over you. It's the same way when you're trying to be reconciled with people. Um, I will say this. I'll be, again, you're our family now. You can't shake me, so I'll just be right, really open. Um, um, I know as we talk, even when I sit with you, anyone, I kind of know because we live in a racialized society and I'm a person of color and been treated as such. Uh, I know, and I, I've had experiences that I know are foreign to many. I know as I listen, I can, you know, uniquely tell maybe what you don't know. I can see when it, in terms of race, I can tell what you may not know. Um, I think putting ourselves, making ourselves vulnerable, we all make ourselves vulnerable, uh, puts us in a powerful place for God to begin to work in our hearts and our minds. And so you have to lean in and you have to, at some places, you have to be willing to be wrong 
and accept the grace from other people. I wouldn't say you just go at your coworker and say, hey, let's just start talking about race. They may not have the grace for that. That's why this, that's why honestly, I think this is a biblical conversation talking to brothers and sisters in Christ that, that can extend grace, that can, that can walk. We're talking, this is, this is, I mean, honestly, this is like discipleship. It's all of that. And so I would say it, it, it's worth it. It's worth it to make mistakes. Of course, we use that term so loosely, racist, like you're a racist. That's not the case. We just don't know. But understanding why we don't know, because we're not having the conversations. We haven't had them in church. And so we have these huge blind spots that it's time to lean. Let's be, let's, let it be messy now. Let us extend grace to one another so that we can build a beautiful, unified church in the future. And so I know I mean, hopefully that kind of oh, shares the part of the we message. That's great. We appreciate it. And, you know, you might have questions for Lamont and from others. On Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, Lamont's going to come back, and thank you for coming Amen. back to be with us, well, as, along with some other panel members that you can see on the screen. We want you to come and engage together. I, you know, I, I'm not going to open the can of worms here, but somebody asked me about Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. And so maybe something like that. You might want to engage. Sure. Help us to understand. We want to be relevant. We want to be Christ-centered, though, Amen. in how we respond to a lot of issues and tensions that are out there. Yeah. So 7 o'clock this Wednesday night over in Fellowship Hall, and Lamont will be back. So thank you so much for being thank here. You, We're Pastor so grateful Dave. for thank you. you. Thank you. And I did want to draw your attention. Next steps. Uh, I think Lamont talked about being a bridge builder. There's an opportunity here on the second item there for next steps. Be part of the bridge discussion where you gather together in a group, small group, and be able to grow, much as Lamont was talking about, so that we can grow and understand and, and be relevant in building relationships with other people. And there's also an outstanding book that is listed here for you to read. Uh, it's a book uh, on, from Benjamin Watson. Uh, from his relationships that he has, getting real about race, getting free from the fears and frustrations that divide us. It's in our bookstore right over here. We encourage you to take a look at that and the other items that are listed there. Great opportunities to continue to grow in this way. It's not just a one-hour experience, but it's a lifetime of growth that we're wanting to pursue. One of the exciting things is to realize this is not a new challenge for us today. Way back in the beginning of the church, there were racial tensions. There were ethnic problems, people being overlooked and looked down upon. In fact, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 11 wrote to the Corinthian church, and he says, I hear there are factions amongst you. And as they would gather together to take communion in that uh, feast where they would gather on the meal, uh, there were rich people that had some, and there were poor people that had none. And there were, be, there were people being overlooked, and there were divisions around people and the various ethnic orientations as well. And then he invites them to come together, to come together in Jesus Christ. And the communion is an opportunity for us to come together and in the oneness of who we are in Jesus Christ be defined by him and the unity that he gives to us. So we're going to share these elements, the bread and the cup, the juice, it These are symbols. They're symbols of the body of Christ, symbol of the blood of Christ. And it's Jesus that changes us to be in the clothing of righteousness that uh, Lamont was talking about, that we can be those kinds of people. Our definition changes in Jesus Christ. So we're going to invite the elements to be passed. Let me pray for them, the bread and the cup, and then hold them, and we'll come back, and we'll share together in eating this in unity of the bread and the body, symbolizing Jesus Christ. Let me pray. 
Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to understand better some of the challenges that we face. Help us to grow. Help us to uh, gain new knowledge. Help us to build relationships that are much like the relationship you have with us. And as we come before the communion of the bread representing the body of Jesus, we take, and then the cup representing the blood of Jesus. As we take these items, Lord, in our hands and hold them and reflect, help us to remember well the sacrifice of Christ and all that he offers to us to change us so that we can live a new life for you. So thank you for these elements as we pass them here. In Jesus' name, amen.